0: Welcome! You're listening to Value Add with Lars Coburn, bringing conversations and reflections that add value to your life.
1: Well, good morning or evening or whatever in between when you decide to listen to podcasts. As I am sharing with you a podcast, uh, this is a little bit different. I'm sharing with you a sermon that I preached uh, several months ago. And as I kind of was reflecting on this sermon, it really uh, does add value uh, to this value-add project, as in many ways it was uh, kind of a culmination of a lot of thoughts. And so uh, you can listen for some cues, some things I want to encourage you to listen for. Uh, There's several quotes from uh, Henry Nowen, and a few of them are from Henry Nowen's book, In the Name of Jesus, uh, Reflections on Christian Leadership. And the other book that I read was by... Uh, Henry Nouwen is one of the contributors to a book on compassion. And so I really encourage you to read both those books as they really inspired me and uh, contributed to this. Uh, But I really think that this concept of adding value to people's lives uh, needs to lead us to a revolution, a revolution of seeing people as created to create, created in the image of God to create things in this world and co-create with God. And so uh, I think this is a revolution worth following and I don't think that it's a revolution that we need more leaders of, uh, but I'm convicted uh, because I want to be a leader uh, that in fact I'm supposed to be a first follower, a follower of Jesus. So I hope that this sermon, this uh, lesson that I shared a few months ago uh, is encouraging to you to go out there and add value to people's lives by following Jesus and inviting them had to jump up and follow the dance. On the sandy shores of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus was teaching, and there were so many people and his words so captivating that they kept crowding in. Now there were some fishermen that had pulled their boats on the shore and were cleaning their nets, and Jesus got into the boat belonging to Simon Peter. And he floated a little ways out from shore, and Jesus sat in the boat and taught the people. When Jesus had finished preaching, he said to Simon Peter, let's, let's go out into the deep water and let down your nets. And Peter was a bit tired. He said, sir, we fished all night and didn't catch a thing. But because you have asked us to, we'll let down the nets again. And so they let down the nets and caught an unbelievable amount of fish. Can you, can you hear it? Shh. As a thousand fins of those fish are being pulled into the boat and they're slapping the water. Peter and Andrew begin hollering at James and John. They say, hey, hey. And James and John are on the shore and they're just kind of dumbfounded. They're, they're wondering what's going on. There's no fish in this sea. We made sure of that last night. Maybe they're sinking. And so they begin rowing out and they're rowing fast and then came the sound the miraculous sound of a thousand fins. They came alongside the boat and began to fill both of them to the point where the boats were beginning to sink and they needed to start letting fish go because the nets were going to break. So when Peter had a chance to finally catch his breath and realize what had just happened, the most unbelievable and amazing catch of his life, he turned to Jesus and dropped to his knees and cried, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Everyone was drop-dead shocked and knew that Jesus was the source of this miraculous and supernatural catch. And Jesus said to Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And when they pulled their boats on shore, they left everything and followed him. Who are you following? Every day, someone is vying for your attention to follow them. Maybe it's your boss or a charismatic coworker, a team captain, a choir director, a celebrity, or a politician. These people want you to follow them when it comes to the, the fashion that you subscribe to, how you vote, the music you listen to, the books you read, the YouTube channels you subscribe to, or the podcasts you consume. Whether it's food choices, diet programs, makeups, cars you drive, or any number of technologies that are meant to make your life easier, they want you to subscribe to these. On Instagram, for instance, I have 219 followers, and I would like to say that most of them I know personally. There's a few of them that follow me just because I frequent locations that they go to and I check in there, or I've tagged someone that they're a friend with and they know personally. And I'll be honest, there are a few of those, 219, that follow me because they simply want me to follow them back, All right? They're trying to garner an audience. Uh, I went on Wikipedia, and according to Wikipedia, there's, uh, these are the top 10 most followed users. Um, you got Selena Gomez. Um, you got a few others. Let's go. The next slide has a few more that I'm more familiar with, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Justin Bieber, T. Swift. They got millions and millions of followers, When I got married, we posted our wedding photos, and it was like a life event, and so both Janelle's friends and my friends were on there and saw them, and we got 200 likes, the most likes I've ever gotten on a post, and we got many, many more comments, right? But if my criteria for posting was the same uh, that needed to have a lot and lot of followers, I would have given up on Facebook and Instagram years ago because, face it, compared to those celebrities... I have no chance. I have no chance. They have millions of followers. And yet still today, a lot of young people delete posts if they don't reach a certain like status. For many of them, they're posting shots to get more and more likes. It's like a hit of adrenaline. And so they attribute certain behavior, or if they see it on someone else's post or on their status, why not try it on mine? Whether it's a video of a crazy trick on a skateboard or a bicycle that's going to get them killed or maybe a photo with just a little bit more skin than the last one. The desire for more followers moves us to do things we never set out to do. And who we follow influences what we post, and ultimately what we think is important and valuable in life. This is why celebrities get sponsored by companies to use their products, right? And To wear their clothes and drive their cars. Uh, I have a friend who's sponsored by Lululemon, an athletic company a uh, small company that does athletic wear. Uh, he's awesome. He, he does CrossFit, lives in Malibu, uh, leads an awesome youth ministry and serves as a great campus minister too. I really, really want to be like Dusty. Whether, uh, whenever he posts about something challenging like climbing a mountain or crushing a workout uh, or leading a, an awesome mission trip, I also see his lifestyle, which includes Lululemon. And there have been so many times where I've looked up Lululemon Not because Dusty recommended it to me, but because I follow Dusty, and I want to be like him. So who are you following? Who do you want to be like? Author and Christian thinker C.S. Lewis said this, the whole purpose for which we exist is to be thus taken into the life of God. Wrong ideas about that life, or what that life is, will make it harder. You've probably heard the phrase, uh, when God made you, he broke the mold. Uh, and as I think about the American dream, each of, it's that each of us can make a unique contribution to the world. No matter where you came from or where you come from, everyone can be successful and make it. With just a little hard work and determination. Think about the founding of our country was brought about by the American Revolution. And when we read stories of the revolutionary heroes like George Washington or Ben Franklin or Paul Revere, we want to be like them. We'd like to think that we would have joined them on the revolutionary road to the land of the free and the home of the brave. Revolutionary leaders excite us and inspire us to be like them. Whether it's presidents like John F. Kennedy, who inspired a country to put a man on the moon with, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Or maybe it's civil rights leaders like Martin Luther King, Jr. with his I Have a Dream speech. We're moved to follow revolutionaries. They invite us to see ourselves as unique and special. And modern-day revolutionaries have capitalized on the advances of technology. Uh, Think about Apple founders Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, who said, you know what, The the computer is going to empower the individual to do what only big organizations can do. It's going to give you the power to change the world on your own from your own garage. And Apple and other companies promise us the ability to change the world just with a click of the mouse. With YouTube, you can publish your own news, ideas, and create an audience all on your own. And on on Facebook, I don't know if you've noticed this, but about every other ad on my Facebook is a 10 to 12 step program to get fill in the blank, rich, self-published, a new job, start my own business, or some other success scheme. And with the rise of the life coach, people like Tony Robbins and others, it just shows how desperate people are to feel successful. And speaking of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg just basically became a millionaire overnight, right? With the internet and technology, the promise every day is there for you and me to become another Mark Zuckerberg. But it doesn't happen that often, does it? Speaker and leadership expert Simon Sinek says this, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. We all want to lead a revolutionary movement and change the world, but that may mean more of a what. And the reason so many of us end up feeling burnt out and discouraged, disappointed that our efforts to revolutionize the world are failing is I think because we're so focused on the what and not on the why. Why? Do we, by chance, have the wrong idea about this life God created us for? Brian started this series, Created to Create, with this statement that we're created to create, not consume. It's hard to enter into this creative life God has called us to when we have the wrong ideas about what that creative life looks like. So I've got a video from a leadership expert, Derek Sivers, uh, from a TED Talk he did. So let's check this out. (laughs)
2: Thank <laughs> you. If you've learned a lot about leadership and making a movement, then let's watch a movement happen start to finish in under three minutes and dissect some lessons. First, of course, a leader needs the guts to stand alone and look ridiculous. But what he's doing is so simple, it's almost instructional. This is key. You must be easy to follow. Now here comes the first follower with a crucial role. He publicly shows everyone else how to follow. Notice how the leader embraces him as an equal. So it's not about the leader anymore. It's about them, plural. Notice how he's calling to his friends to join in. it takes guts to be a first follower. You stand out and you brave ridicule yourself. Being a first follower is an underappreciated form of leadership. The first follower transforms a lone nut into a leader. If the leader is the flint, the first follower is the spark that really makes the fire. Now here's the second follower. This is a turning point. It's proof the first has done well. Now it's not a lone nut and it's not two nuts. Three is a crowd and a crowd is news, a movement must be public. Make sure outsiders see more than just the leader. Everyone needs to see the followers because new followers emulate followers, not the leader. Now here come two more people, then three more immediately. Now we've got momentum. This is the tipping point and now we have a movement. As more people jump in, it's no longer risky. If they were on the fence before, there's no reason not to join in now. They won't stand out, they won't be ridiculed, and they will be part of the in-crowd if they hurry. And over the next minute, you'll see the rest who prefer to stay part of the crowd, because eventually they'd be ridiculed for not joining. And ladies and gentlemen, that is how a movement is made. So let's recap what we've learned. If you are a version of the shirtless dancing guy, all alone, remember the importance of nurturing your first few followers as equals, making everything clearly about the movement, not you. Be public, be easy to follow. But the biggest lesson here, did you catch it? Leadership is over glorified. Yes, it started with the shirtless guy and he'll get all the credit, but you saw what really happened. It was the first follower that transformed a lone nut into a leader. There's no movement without the first follower. See, we're told that we all need to be leaders, but that would be really ineffective. The best way to make a movement, if you really care, is to courageously follow and show others how to follow. When you find a lone nut doing something great, have the guts to be the first person to stand up and join in.
1: Did Did you catch that? Did you catch that last part? Leadership is over glorified, he says. It was the first follower who transformed the lone nut into a leader. We're told we all need to be leaders, he says, but that would really be ineffective. That's the message that we get every day. We all need to be leaders. But the best way to make make a movement, if you really care, he says, is to courageously follow and show others how to follow. So who are you following? One of the most influential Christian revolutionaries was, I believe, the Apostle Paul. And I think Paul was a sort of first follower of Jesus's. He knew his why. And as he describes his leader to a church in Colossae, he says this, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in him he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things in earth or on heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And Paul concludes this section by saying, It's to this end that I strenuously contend with all of his energy that so powerfully works in me. Paul was this sort of first follower. He knows his why, to proclaim Christ. Paul knows that the goal, or the what, is to revolutionize and create, transform people, to change the world through transform people. But that what is not his focus. Paul knows his why. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so Paul models for others what it means to follow Jesus as this first follower. It means to follow Jesus and live this life God has called us to. The gospel is not about leading. The gospel is about being led. To change a world and to create a revolution, you need to be a good follower who leaves your day job of fishing for fish and to follow the true revolutionary Jesus and change people's lives. So this morning... I want to tell you that you are created to create a revolution. But so much of the messaging in our world today is that you have to create your own image, an image of success and power. And I don't know anyone more humble than Henry Nowen, a Catholic missionary and scholar, and former Harvard professor uh, and renowned author. And in a book on the temptations of Christ, he said this, what makes the temptation of power so seemingly irresistible? Maybe it is that power offers an easy substitute for the hard task of love. It seems easier to be God than to love God. Easier to control people than to love people. Easier to own life than to love life. Jesus asks us, do you love me? And we ask, can I sit at your right hand and your left in your kingdom? You know, ever since the snake said, the day you eat of this tree, your eyes will be open and you will be like God's. Knowing good from evil. We've been tempted to replace love with power. And the long, painful history of the church is a history of people ever and again tempted to choose power over love, control over the cross, being a leader over being led. I know Nowen's words are heavy, and to truly transform the world of Genesis 3, one where God's creation is broken. And in need of a revolution, we need to make this shift to move from being leaders to being led. And God has gifted you with a tremendous amount of talent and a life that you can create something with. But with these messages bombarding us each day with temptations of power, they're messages that say to us, use your gifts and talents to create your own image rather than follow Jesus the revolutionary who leads us all back into being the true image bearers of God, which is the way we were originally created to be. Uh, This morning, I've asked Yakira to come up and share one of her poems. So, Yakira, you can come on up. Uh, If you were with us uh, at the Grace Cafe First Sunday Fellowship earlier this month on Labor Day, uh, you got to hear some great music and some great poetry. And so as you listen to the poem she reads um, that she wrote herself, Add your own laments, your own hopes, and dreams to God silently in prayer as you listen.
0: Um, (laughs) If this is on, okay, oh. (laughs) Gasping for a breath of air, I sink down to the bottom. The reach of survival is constantly ignored. The attempt to be okay is always there, but I know I'm not. I have a good day and I rise up a couple feet. I think everything will be all right and just like that one word, one phrase, turns into a dreadful poison that knocks me down several feet more. I can't get out. I can't breathe. I can't live. But yet I can. I have unbearable moments where I feel all alone in the midst of the madness and chaos that circles around me like a tornado. But yet I'm still here. The anxiety gets so tough to handle. When I don't reach a goal, it feels like a strangle and agony that you can never even know. Can anyone hear me? No one gets it. Everyone thinks it's all right on the outside, but buried underneath the fake smiles and fun and parties, I'm scared. Am I good enough for anybody? Am I good enough to get a full scholarship into a school I actually want to go to? How do you do it, Yukira? You're so talented. You have it all together. Can't you see that I don't? Sure, God gave me talents, but the blessing comes with a problem in disguise. If I'm good at a lot of things, how do I find out what I want to do with my life? Sure, it seems like I have it all together, but behind the mask, I don't know what sleep is. But all the people care about is what it seems like. In reality, I'm a black teenage girl who just wants to feel love, but instead got bullied and tormented. In reality, I've been through three years of school, and I've yet to know the majority of my grade. I call it shy, but I try to hide myself in the forbidden truth that I'm just antisocial, but it's okay. In reality, I have bags at an age I'm not supposed to have them at. There were nights when I feel alone. There still are. Times when people judge me so hard that I can feel the piercing of the stares I receive every time I walk by. Yeah, you don't think people like me notice. We do. People like you don't belong with people like me. I've heard that line so many times, I've transformed it into the life that I've been living. No more separation. The person I am is the person you get, flaws and all. The words you say affect me and you. I know it doesn't seem like it at times. Even if the gossip may be true, nobody wants to feel like they are left behind. Jesus died for all of us upon that cross, even that girl who might be on the wrong track. No matter if we are found or lost, we as Christians should have each other's
1: back. As you listened, I hope you noted something that inspires you to action. Because people need to see followers of Jesus being creative and being with God. You cannot help others follow Jesus if you're never with Jesus. You'll just end up having them follow you. You were created to create a revolution, but we often fail to change the world because the movement becomes about us, about our own image, power, and control, rather than about our why. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Every great leader paints a picture for the future, A vision, Fuller Professor Scott Cormode says, is a shared story of future hope. And this is what was so powerful about Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. It was a vision of a new reality to come. Our shared story of future hope, I believe is best expressed in the Apostle John's revelation. And I like how the message renders it. He says, I have saw heaven and earth new created, Gone the first heaven and gone the first earth, gone the sea. I saw holy Jerusalem, new created, descending resplendent out of heaven, as ready for God as a bride for her husband. And I heard a voice thunder from the throne. Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. They're his people, and he's their God. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good. "'Tears gone, crying gone, pain gone, "'all the first order of things gone.'" I loved how Henry Nowen and others reflected on this passage when they said, "'This vision makes us share one another's burdens, "'carry our crosses together, "'and unite for a better world. "'In the new city, God will live among us. "'But each time two or three gather in the name of Jesus, "'he's already in our midst. "'In the new city,' All tears will be wiped away. But each time people eat bread and drink wine in his memory, smiles appear on strained faces. In the new city, the whole creation will be made new. But each time prison walls are broken down, poverty is dispelled and wounds are carefully attended to, the old is not just old anymore and pain is not just pain any longer. Although we are still waiting in expectation, the first signs of the new earth and the new heaven Which have been promised to us and for which we hope are already visible in the community of faith, where the compassionate God is revealed to us. This is the foundation of our faith, the basis of our hope, and the source of our love. So, brothers and sisters, this morning, you and I are created to create a revolution. Not by our own power, not because we are successful or because we're great leaders or because um, of our own success. But because we show others how to follow Jesus, we stand up first and join in. Join in the crazy dance of life, the creative dance he's called us to. Our why leads to prison walls being broken down, poverty dispelled, wounds attended to, smiles on strained and stressed out faces because Christ is in us. We love rather than control because we are being led rather than leading we are following Jesus, the image of God. And I would say that this is a movement worth leaving everything for. I invite you to stand uh, as I pray. Creator God, you made us in your image to be creative and to live creative lives. And we want to create a revolution. We want to change the world. And we know that we can do that not because we're the revolutionary because Jesus changed everything. We can do that because Jesus is in us, the hope of glory, this mystery that we don't fully understand and yet is made real every day as we live our lives, empowered through your Spirit. So God, we say with the saints throughout the ages, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end Amen. May the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus and the friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let's sing together.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Value Add. For more great conversations and insights, visit valueaddconversations.com.